Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the MD family. 2021, a fresh week, a brand new week. And I pray that it's the best week of your life. So happy to see all of you, Natasha, Matt, Martha, Don. So good to see each and every one of you. This is our MD family, Monday through Friday. We meet 7 a.m. Central. People join with us all over the world, all hours of day and night, praying for our nation, praying for our world, praying for so many situations today. Just share, like, follow the page, leave your prayer request out to the side. Be a part of this MD family. Don't lurk. The nation needs fewer lurkers. MD family needs you to come join us. The USS Ghost Ship, a nation without God. This Monday, May 10, a sober subject to begin the week and one that I've pondered very, very carefully. And I want to share it with you today. But Lana, it's good to have you. Stanley, Jim, Rodney, you're, you guys are the one. You guys are the one that makes this enjoyable, getting up in the morning, early in the morning, finding the mind of God, seeking the face of God, hopefully sharing something that is of worth with you. Hope you had a wonderful, meaningful Mother's Day weekend and that you were blessed this morning. This evening, we celebrate, commemorate the life of Brother Larry Porter. Join us in this service and in prayers. It will be streaming online if you're unable to be there. Keep Redona, keep the family in your prayers. Thankful for what God has done and what God is going to do. We are not a people of the past. We are a people of the future, people of the new day. We've set our face toward the future. But how is this ship of state, that metaphor equating a nation to the ship of state has been around for a couple of thousand years, used by the ancient Greek poets. 1941, just prior to the U.S. entering the Second World War, then President FDR sent British Prime Minister Winston Churchill a poem, a Longfellow poem meant to encourage the U.K., and it stand against Nazi Germany. Thou too sail on, O ship of state, sail on, O union strong and great. Humanity with all its fears, with all the hopes of future years, is hanging breathless on thy fate, the ship of state. I think each nation can be compared to that, and certainly the nation from which this devotion emanates in the United States. How goes the American ship of state? And that's the question I want to explore in this morning devotion. I'm going to need you to sound off when something touches your heart. Say a word, share this with someone. It's a privilege. It's a privilege when I, when I am here this morning. How long I can do this, I don't know. Um, one only has to read the news to know that this privilege may not last much longer. How long can we speak freely in the name of Jesus Christ? I read of a Calgary pastor taken down by a SWAT team for inciting people to go to church, a cancel culture that attempts to shame and silence opposing viewpoints, big tech deplatforming those who speak freely. Yes, how long can we speak freely? 
I think it's frustrating to be raised in a country that assures us of free speech. It's enshrined in our Bill of Rights. But to watch as those who attempt to claim that right are marginalized. You may speak, but you will speak in a well or perhaps a prison cell. You will be deplatformed. Yet to speak is what we do, folks. We are voices. We have a voice and we're required to speak. Can I get a witness to that? Those watchmen of the Old Testament who sounded the alarm, they did their job. They fulfilled their purpose. They accomplished their goals. They protected people. They protected the city. Those watchmen who did not do their job, did not sound the alarm, failed to dispatch their duties. They didn't live up to their calling, didn't live up to their job description. Now, granted, there were times the watchman probably sounded the warning. City was still overrun. The opposition was so great. Maybe the people refused to respond, refused to rise up in defense. Maybe they were too apathetic, too complacent to rise up. But nevertheless, the watchman did sound the alarm. And so I will today, and so will all of us as you share this with others, We speak truth in love. Oh, yes, we do. But still we speak. We are voices. Christina, you have a voice. Estella, Annie, you have a voice. Use that voice. Use that voice for the glory of God. Amen. I I waited a few days to verify what I heard. I simply wanted to give this the benefit of a doubt. Surely there'd been some mistake. You see, the first Thursday of May is National Day of Prayer. That was last Thursday. And even before our nation's founding, there have been calls to prayer. If you've, if you've read this book on prayer, you know this, that there have been many calls to prayer. The Revolutionary War, the Civil War, some 143 national calls to prayer and fasting by presidents of the United States. Every president for the last 70 years has signed a National Day of Prayer proclamation. This year was no different. Last week, the president issued a National Day of Prayer proclamation, and I say, that's great. That's wonderful. It's about 500 words. It contains some very good thoughts. But one conspicuous thing was omitted. God, God, in a day of prayer proclamation, God was omitted. Does that surprise you? Does that surprise anyone? Penny, Edna, Ted, does that surprise us? Past presidents have mentioned God in their National Day of Prayer proclamation. Truman did the first one in 1952. Eisenhower, let us remember that God is the God of all men. Kennedy, may we especially ask God's blessing on our home. Johnson did. Let us each pray that God will endow us with the constancy to prevail. Nixon did. America is a nation under God. Gerald Ford did. Let us also reflect on the profound faith in God, which inspired the founding fathers. Carter did. We endure and remain a land of hope because of the basic goodness and strength of our people. And because God has, the God of us all has shown us his favor. Reagan did. Americans should turn our faces and hearts to God. George H.W. Bush did. As one nation under God, we Americans are deeply mindful of our dependence on the Almighty. Bill Clinton did continue to seek the guidance of God in all of the affairs of our nation. George W. Bush did. We come together to thank God for our nation's many blessings and to acknowledge our need for his wisdom, his grace. 
Obama did. Through prayer, we find strength to do God's word. Trump did. Thank God for his many blessings to ask and ask for his continued guidance and strength. But for the first time in 70 years of such proclamations, God was left out of the National Day of Prayer proclamation. When this was first reported, I thought, surely not. That, that's a mistake. Someone's exaggerating. Someone's just harping on a political point. This, this can't be true. How can God be left out of National Day of Prayer proclamation? How can the, how can God be left out? I mean, in the beginning, God, right? I mean, wouldn't you think that? Wouldn't you think that? Yet after my little bit of research the last few days, I found out it was true. Even Snopes admits it's true what they're saying, what these Christian posters say. God was left out of a proclamation. How? How is God left out of a national day of prayer? How in this nation especially? 400 years ago, the Mayflower Compact was established. They formed a colony in their own words for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. And that statement would permeate the later founding documents of our nation. What about the Declaration of Independence? It contains multiple mentions of God. He He's mentioned in the opening sentence where he rightfully belongs in the opening sentence. And then in that beautiful passage uh, that we were probably required to memorize in high school, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we still hold those truths to be self-evident. In the final paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, God is mentioned twice. God's mentioned in all the constitutions of the individual 50 states. So for a national day of prayer proclamation, to not mention God is staggering. That proclamation was, that act was passed by Congress 70 years ago, where its purpose was to encourage the nation to pray to God. But God isn't mentioned this year And isn't that indicative of the year we've been through? Granted that nothing any president's ever done probably pleased everybody. There are going to be agnostics and atheists and polytheists who object to the use of the word God. They're quite possibly offended. He even offered a day of prayer proclamation. There were groups offended back in February at the annual prayer breakfast when our president uh, actually uh, quoted some scriptures. The Freedom From Religion Foundation issued a statement criticizing President Biden for addressing the National Prayer Breakfast. And they cited an exit poll study saying that two-thirds of non-religious Americans in 2020 voted for him. One secular group said they worry this administration idea of interfaith outreach. Uh, it can ex- ex- it could exclude non-believers. Some were upset that the day before the inauguration, he, the future president, attended an event where Amazing Grace was up. What are we seeing in America? What's happening to the ship of state? We are seeing the rising tides of secularism, which says God must be left out. As Shadi Amid recently noted in the Atlantic, American faith, it turns out, is as fervent as ever. It's just that what was once religious belief has now been channeled into political belief. Political debates over what America is supposed to mean have taken on the character of theological disputations. 
This is what religion without religion looks like. Hey, our world is what religion looks like without religion. Yes, this is what it looks like. A group called the Secular Democrats of America penned a 28-page document to the president-elect back at the end of last year. And they asked the president to restore a vision of constitutional secularism, to push back against the so-called Christian nationalist movement. And they offered a wide variety of policies and recommendations, and among them, politicians should avoid phrases like God and country. How, how terrible to say God and country. And they should promote non-theistic and humanistic chaplains in the military. Yes, yes, that's great in a foxhole. They could include non-religious representatives in interfaith gatherings. One of the most interesting recommendations was to go back to the country's one-time unofficial motto, e pluribus unum, meaning out of many, one, instead of the motto adopted after World War II, in God we trust. Christian nationalists, they say, characterize the United States founding as a Christian nation based on biblical princes, principles where they, they view America as a secular nation. They want to see all sorts of things reverse, rules, regulations, exemption that they say favor people of faith. Of particular interest is the 1992 law passed in the Clinton administration with supermajorities, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which protected our right to worship. Secularism is on the rise, and it leads to a rudderless ship of state, a ghost ship in the sense, in the sense that a country or a person has no clear purpose, no aim, no objective, rudderless, but it exists so long in that state that a mighty, robust ship of state becomes a ghost ship, abandoned not by its crew, but by its ideals, and over time will become a shell of what it once was. Our country, our Western civilization is in such danger right now. Each year, the president of our nation will give an address to the joint session of Congress called the State of the Union. When I look at our nation today, this this is only my opinion. I see a nation that has grown increasingly godless, faithless, and thoughtless. It's like the painting, the vision of St. John that hangs in New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art, painted by the 16th century Spanish El Greco. The painting titled The Vision of St. God completed around 1614, but it looks like it could have been painted in modern Paris, maybe in the modernist movement, the 20th century. Not only feels modern, but it also feels contemporary. The painting is based on the opening of the fifth seal in Revelation 6, and the martyrs who bore faithful witness to, uh, to Christ are given white robes. John is looking heavenward, but that's only half the painting. 150 years ago, when the painting was restored, the canvas was trimmed in half. In the name of improvement and modernism, the scene is cut almost in half. So you see the Apostle John and the saints reaching to heaven for their new robes, but there's nothing there. The God who was visible in the original painting is now non-existent, trimmed away. What a perfect parable of secularism 
John reaching up for a non-existent God, longing for more, but a more that isn't there. That is our nation today. Secularist, humanist, rootless, rudderless. That National Day of Prayer Proclamation omitting God is sort of fitting for our day and age. A de-emphasis of God has taken place probably since the Second World War. Church attendance has been on a steady decline. But for the first time in eight decades this year, church attendance, defined as going to church once a month, has declined below 50% in the United States. Once crowded cathedrals and churches in Europe are nearly empty. The rising segment of our society view faith as nuns, people with no faith, N-O-N-E-S, nuns, no religious preference. And during this pandemic, of course, church attendance plummeted. Now there's a genuine attack on people gathering to worship, one court case after another. Something David Reed wrote in Leadership many years ago, Reed wrote these words that I find almost prophetic. History shows that when religion wanes in any country, it's not replaced by a popular nationalist philosophy that leads to universal happiness and peace. It's a vacuum left by the waning of religion in Western countries. It's been filled by an army of superstitious cults and belief. Perfect secularism by no means cast out all fear. Or as we've seen during this pandemic, some are following not only superstition, fears, and conspiracy theories, other are bowing and worshiping at the altar of science. They're saying, science says this. I read a piece recently called A New American Divinity. It argues that the global pandemic has caused a mass conversion to secularism. People were told to believe the science without question, without deviation, believe and trust in the science. But what we've seen is that science is twisted and turned to believe whatever it wants to believe. And so it is. So it is. Here we gather. Here we gather. We gather in a nation of creatures who reject their creator, the godless rejecting God, and the ship of state grows increasingly desolate of its original meaning and purpose. Joanne Badley, U.S. theological professor, once wrote, unlike Israel's exile, our process of secularization is not clearly marked by a hostile takeover. We are losing the land by the way of a thousand little changes. Yes, we are. I won't cite the many, many ways we're seeing it in our world today. We just admit that it's happening and the loss of God in our nation's consciousness is slipping away. We're becoming a ghost ship of what we once were. A Chinese proverb said, if you wanna know what water is, don't ask the fish. A fish does not reflect on its environment until it's thrust onto dry land and is struggling for life. And then and probably only then it realizes the water provided life. Immersed in faith and worship to God, America has not appreciated her environment. Now flopping and flipping on a secular shore, many are wondering what's happening. And this is where you and I come in. We got to get back to God. We have to get back to God. I read a study years ago in Forbes magazine of 11 men and women that were asked, why are we so unhappy? They all agreed that they had lost their moral and spiritual 
center. There had been a hollowing out of values and the removal of the spiritual and the moral rudder. The writer in that piece, Peggy Noonan, said the poet W.H. Auden called this the era of the age of anxiety. I think what's at the heart of the dread in these days, just a few years into the modern times, was that we could tell we were beginning to lose God, banishing him from the scene, from our own consciousness, losing the assumption that he was part of the daily drama of it or its maker. It's a terrible thing when people lose God. Life is difficult. People are afraid. She wrote, to be without God is to lose man's greatest source of consolation and coherence. Compared to what America once was, we are swiftly becoming a ghost ship, a shell devoid of its spiritual life, missing its rudder, godless. And that is where you and I come in because we're not going to busy ourselves storming the gates and citadels of government. Our job is to storm the throne room of heaven. America needs an awakening, not a new government program, not new legislation, not a chill, a thrill, not an uptick in church attendance. We need a complete and thorough awakening, not one that will come with the programming or planning, but one that begins in the heart of each believer and longs and sighs and yearns for a greater day. So Atasha, Sandra, Tricia, Brenda, this is the beginning. This is the beginning of what God longs to do in our world. We know we're living in the last of the last days. And we know that it's meant to get darker during these times. But we will not capitulate. We are going to believe for this awakening. Pray for this awakening. Rudderless, godless, thankless, thoughtless America will fail left beached on some shore dashed against the rocks. But with God at the helm, with God at the wheel, the ship of state can be rescued and a ghost ship can be filled with the Holy Ghost and what was once lost can be regained and surpassed. You see, I see a new day coming. Maybe there's some new folks here on the morning devotion. You've not read this, the book on prayer. You can find it at thebookonprayer.com. I tell you my belief. I believe that, yes, it'll get darker. It'll get darker and it'll get worse before it will get brighter and better. It's only when a significant segment of us began to cry out to God in faith and say, God, we know you are our only answer and we're turning to you. That is when the ship of state will be rescued. A nation without God cannot prosper. We need God back in our nation and we need him very, very quickly. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of the morning devotion today. Look forward to visiting with you every day this week. God willing, God gives us grace and may the Lord be with you today and all through the day. Share this with someone else and let's just believe God for that great awakening. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.